What is up, you guys, and welcome in to the newest episode of Entertainment Purposes Only. As always, I am your host, Ben Hardy. Had a great day of college football on Saturday we're going to get into. Before we do, of course, got to tell you about our good friends over at Arbitrage Racing. Again, I tell you guys every episode, the message isn't going to change. They're the best stable in the digital horse racing game, period, had a lot of people in my personal life coming up asking me, what does that mean? What is the best stable in the digital horse racing game? So a lot of words you're saying in a sentence. I don't know what any of it means. That's why you got to just go follow them on Twitter at Arbitrage Racing. You'll figure out everything you need to know, okay? They're just... What makes Tom Brady the best quarterback to ever play the game? You can't even put it into words. Okay, seven Super Bowls. But when you ask what makes arbitrage racing the best stable in the digital horse racing game, it's like there's so much that goes into it. Trying to articulate that would honestly just be doing them a disservice. So go check them out at Arbitrage Racing. And again, thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Okay, let's get into it. Going to recap the big games that we previewed on the last episode First off, Friday night, we had Utah at Oregon State. Oregon State took care of them. They won that one pretty easily, 21-7. to Again, Cam Rising didn't play like we expected. They got their bye this week, Utah does, so expecting him to come back after that. And if you can find odds anywhere on Utah to you know win the Pac-12, something like that, you're going to get much better better odds than you deserve right now because they lost that game. But again, when Cam Rising comes back, they're a totally different team. Shout out to Oregon State, taking care of business at home, getting the job done. But that Utah offense just didn't pose a big threat to them without Cam. So they did what they needed to do there. Can't knock them for that. They can't control that the guy didn't play. But uh, yeah, Utah pretty much punted that one by not letting Cam play, to play the long game. Because, again, they have the bye week this week. He'll be coming back after that, hopefully, and they'll be a different team. So, But Utah, to get through this part of their schedule, get through Florida with the win, get through UCLA with the win, they'll take being 4-1 and one right now if you told them Cam wasn't going to play for the first five weeks. So expect big things out of them coming up in the second half here, but we'll be sure they're going to be one for us to keep our eye on. But Oregon State gets that win 21-7. to Big bounce back for them after the Washington State loss in the previous week. Now, into the good stuff. Kentucky welcomed Florida into Kroger Field, the big checkout line as they call it. And they lined up, they ran the football, and they took Florida's manhood in that game. Um, there was no mystery to what they were going to do. Their quarterback, Devin Leary, was 9 for 19, and they won the game 33-14. to That tells you all you need to know. They basically didn't have a passing game. They were just still able to manball Florida to death. Florida probably is what we thought they were. Had the big win against Tennessee. That appears to be the exception to the rule for them so far. Some people, people might have overreacted to that, but looks like that was more the flute game and the Utah and Kentucky game might be what we get out of Florida moving forward. Kentucky, they got a big one this week. They're coming to Athens for a night game. Got to find out a lot more about them. And we'll get into Georgia's game a little later, but 
their run defense is suspect. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll see how that one goes. But huge win for Kentucky. Some people insinuating they might have sort of pulled a rope-a-dope on Florida, not shown a whole lot those first four games. Why would they? With who they were playing and, you know, just had it all saved up, ready to let loose against Florida, and it worked out for them. So good for Kentucky. Again, y'all know I love Mark Stoops. He's my third best coach in the SEC. He proved why again. I mean, to have Kentucky in a place where you can beat Florida by three touchdowns and everybody not be stunned about it says a lot about what that guy can do with the program. So he's keeping it rolling there. They're in good shape. We'll see about them this week. USC favored by three touchdowns at Colorado. I'm just going to read to you now the notes that I mentioned on the previous show, and I'll let you decide for yourself how accurate that was. So I said, USC's defense is horrific. Colorado is beat up. USC wins, but it's not a laugher like the Oregon game was for Colorado. Whether it's within arm's reach throughout the game or through the back door, Colorado covers. I'm confident about it. So yeah, that's exactly how that game went, by the way. USC jumps out to the big lead. Caleb throws six touchdowns. No surprise there. Then they just couldn't stop Colorado in the second half, though. That defense was huffing and puffing, hands on the knees, sucking wind in that thin Colorado air. And Shador and the boys, you know, they started balling out about halfway through the second quarter. Didn't really get stopped after that. Colorado had a wide receiver. He was, I'm blanking on his name right now, but number 14, he's a true freshman, got his first playing action in this game and went off. Now, I'm thinking he was probably suspended for the first four games. Dion just didn't want to publicize that and embarrass him, but... To have a player like that just come out of nowhere, that Colorado offense is going to be fine. Travis Hunter should be back in a couple weeks too, by the way. So Colorado's sitting at 3-2 right now. I'm staying on what I said after week one, that if they make a bowl game, Dion should be coach of the year. They got three wins, got to get to six. They still got Arizona, Arizona State, and Stanford. Three games they should be favored in. We'll see. We'll see. But impressive showing from Colorado. USC, they're just not a contender, I don't think, with that defense. They, I mean, maybe Caleb can just go score every single possession and they can beat everybody, but I don't see it. I don't think they're a top-10 team. I mean, Lincoln Riley's had the exact same team for, what, six years now, going back to his Oklahoma days. They'll outscore pretty much everyone they play, but... Usually their defense will cost them a game against someone that shouldn't beat them. And then if they're fortunate enough to get into the playoff, they'll just get railroaded there because of the defense. Same thing going on at USC so far. I'd be very surprised if Alex Grinch is still their defensive coordinator to start next season. Texas A&M, Arkansas. We had the over. We got the over. Weird game. Weird, weird, weird game. Had a couple of turnover touchdowns, a punt return touchdown. Now you're thinking, man, sounds like you were pretty lucky to get that over. Yeah, but the first half was, you know, 
probably should have had 31 points and we had like 16. A lot of drives that stopped and settled for field goals when they could have scored. So, you know, it went both ways. We'll take it, but weird, weird game. A&M wins it pretty convincingly. Sam Pittman's in trouble, I think. I mean, that, again, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks now. That program's going in the wrong direction. He started off so strong there. Overachieved so much. He's just hit his head on the ceiling, it looks like. And uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say he won't be there next year. I think he gets next year. But after that, I don't know. And they're going to have to do work in the portal to keep him around after next year. But we'll see. In A&M, going to find out a lot about you this week, too. Crimson Tide comes coming into College Station. We'll see. That's yeah. We'll get into that in the the preview, not the recap episode. But Georgia at Auburn. So Georgia's at a point right now where no matter what they do, they're probably not going to live up to the expectations everybody had for them in the preseason. They were the clear number one, almost unanimous, and. With the schedule they have, they'd have to win every game by 50 points to live up to that. They're not going to do that. They're not that type of a team. So we're pretty much at the point of the season right now for Georgia where the goal every week is going to be survive in advance and don't apologize for it. That's what they did on Saturday. First road game at Auburn, crazy crowd, crazy atmosphere. Looked bleak a couple times. But they were able to get it done. I was impressed with Carson Beck. Very impressed with Carson Beck. I He didn't look great in those first four games all at home. So I expected, man, he didn't look great in those. How's he going to be in that atmosphere, in that environment? There was no drop-off from how he played in the week, the against the weaker opponents at home versus playing at Auburn. And that's what was impressive to me. If he can just keep that baseline throughout, Georgia's going to be fine. And, of course, went in doubt, throw it to number 19. As a Georgia fan, the thing I'm most thankful for right now is that Brock Bowers plays for Georgia and not somebody else. Eight catches, 157 yards, game-winning touchdown late in the fourth. Now, this is something I started thinking about last season, watching the Kansas City Chiefs and... I was just like, why do these defenses let Travis Kelsey beat them every game, right? Like, it can't be that hard to just take one guy away. But apparently it is because nobody's been able to do it, right? And that's what people are starting to say about Brock Bowers of Georgia. Good buddy Matt Wayman, thanks again for the microphone, was texting me after the game on Saturday. And he was like, if I'm a defensive coordinator against Georgia, I'm saying you can beat me, but Bowers ain't beating me. I get it. I get it. But if it was possible to do that, don't you think somebody would have just done it by now? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I get, yeah, you could put just four guys on him, but obviously that means everyone else would be wide open. But I don't think it's as easy as Belichick has made it look over the years to just say, I'm going to take away your best option and still, you know, be able to defend everything else. Because again, 
if it was easy, if you could just do that, then people would do it. Good players just find a way to get open. I don't know. Good play callers find a way to scheme you open, even against that. And right now, it seems impossible to stop Brock Bowers. With that being said, one of the tough things to deal with, I would say, as a Georgia fan, is everybody who's not a Georgia fan telling you how obnoxious, annoying, and sometimes dumb the Georgia fan base is. And my response to that is always, well, you're saying that because you're not a Georgia fan and you're in Georgia. Like if you were lived anywhere else and you were not a fan of the local team, then you would say that about that fan base. That's what I believe. But guys, and this is to Georgia fans, please stop with the Brock Bowers Heisman talk. You're making a fool out of all of us. A tight end is not winning the Heisman. He didn't even stat pad very much in those first four games against the weak opponents. He had a couple big games, but stop it. Stop it. Please. I'm begging you, stop shouting from the rooftops for your tight end to win the Heisman Trophy. You know it's not happening. I'm not saying he's not the best player in the country. And the definition that the Heisman gives out is to the most outstanding player in college football. But you know, it's a quarterback running back award. Devontae Smith snuck in there as a receiver a few years ago, but just stop it. Now, the Georgia defense, they don't have a Jalen Carter. They don't have a Jordan Davis. They don't have a Devontae Wyatt like they have the last few years up front. They got, you know, mid-round picks, but they don't have those alphas up there. And that's a problem right now. Linebackers might be a little bit weaker than we thought because they were just feasting on what those beasts up front were doing for them the last few years. And right now they're struggling to stop the run. Auburn ran it all over them. Peyton Thorne ran the ball all over them. And again, they got Kentucky this week who just ran the ball all over Florida. So, we'll see. I'm declaring this one. Georgia first Kentucky. It's going to be a man-up game for the Georgia defense. We'll see how they handle it. Kirby, feel free to use this as bulletin board material too, but they got a man up. Segway into last week's man-up game of the week, LSU Ole Miss. 55-49 Ole Miss. I put Lane Kiffin on notice going into last week. Here's where I stand on it. Lane Kiffin passes the test from being put on notice because he won a big game. I cannot give Ole Miss credit for winning a man-up game when you give up 49 points in your own stadium. Sorry. So Kiffin not necessarily on notice anymore. Ole Miss got the win, but I can't say they manned up. On the first play of the fourth quarter, we surpassed 1,000 total yards in the game. 
I say again, the first play of the fourth quarter took us over 1,000 total yards in the game. Now, going into the season, everybody's biggest fear for LSU was the secondary. Those fears have been realized. Took a lot of guys out of the portal. Good players, but can they gel together? Can they mesh? No. Answer is no. They stink. Two best teams they've played, Florida State and Ole Miss, torched them. Now, Lane Kiffin also outcoached Brian Kelly in that fourth quarter. He did his, you know, between third and fourth quarter interview on TV. He was basically like, yeah, we can't kick anymore. we got to score and go for two every time. From that point on, they won the game 15-0. They were down 49-40. They won at 55-49. Even when they took that lead, though, LSU... <laughs> On that last cast drive, got into range to throw a ball into the end zone. And they did it in that ball, that desperation throw to the end zone. It was just a bunch of guys jumping up for it. But, man, it hit an LSU receiver right in the hands. He could have very easily brought that one down and taken it from a great game to an all-time game. But bounces off his hands. LSU survives. They storm the field. Everyone goes home. goes home happy. Jaden Daniels of LSU, it's a shame his defense stinks because he is the best quarterback in the SEC right now, by the way. So, something to file away there. We'll see how they overreact when they set the numbers this week, but LSU overs might be a a well we keep going back to. We'll have to wait and see, though. South Carolina at Tennessee. Tennessee won 41-20. South Carolina hung in there tough for the first half. And Rattler throws a pick six and it snowballs from there. Tennessee deserved to win that game. They were the better team. That crowd, that atmosphere, the black uniforms, the revenge factor from last year, that's what propelled them to really take it to them and win the game by 21 points, I think. Again, South Carolina, valiant effort. They just didn't have enough in the tank. SEC East is real interesting, guys. We'll see if Georgia can just hang tied up top. But, I mean, you got Tennessee beating South Carolina. South Carolina bringing a good game to Athens. Kentucky beating Florida. Florida beating Tennessee. Missouri still sitting there undefeated. We'll see how it plays out. Notre Dame at Duke. Irish win 21-14. Similar to the Georgia win for them. Survive and advance and don't apologize for it. Is Notre Dame flawed? Yes. So is every other team this season. You could say they were really close to losing to Duke and going to Three and two on the or they played they played week zero, so it might be four and two for them, but either three and two or four and two. 
Or you could say, man, they're really close to beating Ohio State and then at Duke back-to-back weeks. So they split those games, which is probably the fair result either way on that. They give up a 4th and 16 scramble to Sam Hartman with the game on the line. Duke does. And then from that point on, you knew what was going to happen. A couple plays later, Audra Gastamay takes the ball into the end zone. They go for two to go up by seven. That's the game. Notre Dame did not look great, but again, this was at Duke for a big night game. You think Clemson would go back in time and take a seven-point win at Duke right now? Of course. Again, Notre Dame. Survive, advance, don't apologize. So, AP poll came out on Sunday, as it typically does. We're going to go through what the actual top 12 is and then what my top 12 would be. So, got some pretty big differences there. Actual top 12. Georgia, Michigan standing strong at one and two. Texas at three. We'll find out a lot about them this week. Ohio State four, Florida State five. Penn State six, Washington seven, Oregon eight. USC 9, Notre Dame 10, Alabama 11, Oklahoma 12. I don't love how the real voters are making their polls right now. seems we've already sort of gotten to the place where we've got you where we've got you. If you win, we'll keep you there. If we lose, we'll drop you down. I think it's still a little early for that. Now, I agree with them on the top three. I've got Georgia, Michigan, Texas. If you just ask me, do you think Georgia's the best team in the country right now? My answer would be no. But if you ask me, well, who do you think is the best team in the country right now? My answer would be, I don't know. So, Am I using the last couple of years as a tiebreaker for me? Yeah. So I got Georgia and Michigan one and two. I got Texas three. I think they've got the best win. And again, they'll have their opportunity. If they beat Oklahoma by a couple scores this week, they might be moving on up. I got Washington four. They hit a little bit of a speed bump in the eye test this week, sort of struggling with Arizona's backup quarterback. But all in all, I think their body of work, they've looked like a top five team. I got Florida State five, two big wins. Sort of looked pedestrian against their other ones. Had a bad showing at Boston College. But I still got them five. Ohio State six, that win at Notre Dame. It's... They didn't look great, but they found a way. Penn State, 7. Penn State, by the way, 11-0-1-1 now against the spread in their last 12. Second win this year where they've scored late unnecessarily to cover the spread. 
Don't tell me some coaches don't coach to the spread. I got Oregon 8. They just look really solid. Experienced quarterback play. Good roster. Good coach. Now, here's where I've got a bit of a surprise. I've got the Miami Hurricanes at number 9. Texas A&M's looking better and better. That win over Texas A&M's looking better and better. Again, if Cristobal, if he's going to let Tyler Van Dyke cook like he did against Miami, it's going to be a very tough team to beat. Ten, I've got Alabama. They We're to the point now we're just, okay, who are we putting here? I don't know. They'll have an opportunity for a big win this week. 11, I've got North Carolina. Again, I think you've got the second best quarterback in the country in Drake May. They've taken care of business in all their games this year, covered in all of them except for one. And obviously, they're still undefeated. Then at 12, I've got Notre Dame. Again, could have lost their last two. Could be undefeated right now with a win over Ohio State. So, I think 12 is about where they should be. The real poll has them at 10. Wait, what? what's this? I'm, I'm getting a note here that what Nephew Mill has submitted his own top 12 to me. Wow. Now remember, Nephew Mill just turned eight months old. So he has no preconceived notions about anything. He doesn't know what these teams have done in the past. He's going off of what he's seen through week zero through the current day only. Who has been the best team? Who's looked like the best team? This is this could be some good stuff here. Whoo! He's got some differences from me and the real polls. I'll tell you that much. Mill has Texas number one. Wow. Look at that. Texas might just claim a national championship for this, for being number one in F.U. Mills poll. You know how he feels about Washington. He's got a note here. If Washington had covered against Arizona, they'd be number one. But since they blew that one, he bumped them down to number two. Okay. Texas, Washington, one, two. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Florida State, number three. He's still impressed with that LSU win, that big win at Clemson. Okay. I don't hate it. Miami number four for Mill. Woo. See, this is where, you know, not having that context of how things usually go for these teams like Texas and Miami. He's going to learn. They'll they'll find a way to blow it probably. But as of right now, he's like, these teams, these teams are awesome. Kentucky number five, Mill. The real A people has them at 20. Mills got them up at five. Man, Mill likes the man ball, I guess. Michigan down to number six. He says all their games look the exact same. High floor, maybe a bit of a low ceiling. I don't agree with that on the low ceiling, Mill, but Okay. Oregon, number seven. 
He said, I was one of the 10 billion people who was watching that Oregon, 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 Colorado game. Again, I cut him some slack on the stuttering there. He's a baby. He's trying his best. But he was impressed with that game. Got him up at number seven. He's got the Buckeyes at eight. So, yeah, they beat they beat Notre Dame. So what? Notre Dame almost lost to Duke. And they should have beat Ohio State. I'm not overly impressed with the Buckeyes. Why would I have them above number eight? Makes no sense. That head coach just seems angry all the time. Why is he picking on the old guy? Penn State number nine. He says, I'm not fooled by the whole covering the spread thing every game. Mill says, look, James Franklin's pleasing his donors, but it's going to take a lot more than that to please me. I got to see it against a better competition. Okay, Mill. Okay. Well, lucky for you. They'll play Ohio State. They'll play Michigan. Just not yet. Boomer Sooner, number 10 for Mill. So, Mill has got a top 10 matchup coming this week in Dallas with Red River. Man, what a must-watch game that's going to be. Top 10 matchup in Mill's poll. How about that? Number 11 is the Georgia Bulldogs. I pushed back on this one. I said, Mill, they're the number one team in the country. Pretty much everyone has them number one. What are you doing putting them in 11? He's like, I mean, have you watched this team played this year? I went, well, yeah, but they got a track record. Like, they won the last two national championships. He's like, I, I don't even know what you're saying right now, Uncle Ben. I've watched five games. They've looked pedestrian. He said, I mean, look, I'm glad Carson Beck finally looked backside on cover two in the fourth quarter to find Bowers, but show it to me more than that, please. Give me something to get excited about with this team, and maybe I'll move them up a little bit, but right now, 11's being generous. Number 12, he's got the Missouri Tigers. Wow. Typical SEC bias in these polls, I tell you. Having Missouri at 12, ridiculous. But, hey, what can I say? Mills got very active hands these days. He's like grabbing everything, sort of kicking at everything. He said that 61 yard field goal that they kicked to get to beat Kansas State. That's what I like to see. So he's got him at 12. So a lot of difference in opinions here between the real AP poll, my own personal poll, and Mills poll. We'll see who turns out to be right, but, uh, man, some absolute stunners for Mill there. All right, elephant in the room, moving on. The pl- Okay, this is tough. We're having some bad luck with the players right now, not making excuses. Not making excuses, but... 
the place went 7-11-1 this week. Started out great. Started out Friday night. NC State plus three. Should have had the win turn into a push. Not going to get too mad about a push. Still probably should have been a win, though. Now, noon Saturday was great. We went 3-0. and <laughs> I'm driving over to my parents' house to watch the Georgia game with them. I'm like, man, we're cooking today. 3-0. and Woohoo! What could go wrong? A&M Arkansas, over. Talked about that one. Colorado plus 23. Easy. Clemson minus 7. They beat Syracuse 24-7. Easy. Man, I was seeing the board clearly this week. We're going to have ourselves a day. Then the midday slate hit and things things got dark. Georgia-Auburn, we had the under 45 and a half. Georgia wins 27-20 for a 47-point total. Tough one. Should have hit if Georgia doesn't turn the ball over deep in their own territory. First position of the second half leading to an easy Auburn touchdown. But what do I know? Now, here's what I'm mad about. Michigan minus 17. That was winner. Easy winner. We also had the Michigan-Nebraska under 39. That was a loser. What that did is it took a winner and just wiped it out by adding that under. And here's what I've decided from now on. I've been a little bit timid, afraid to put myself out there, giving these picks out publicly. From now on, I'm just going with what I think is going to happen. And my play was Michigan minus 17. I listened to some other people, decided to add the under. I'm not doing that anymore. Going with my plays only. So you can rest assured when I give these plays out from now, it's coming from right up here, baby. Nowhere else. Kansas, Texas over 61. That was a loser. Jalen Daniels, late scratch. What are you going to do? Still almost got there even with the Kansas backup, Jason Bean, who stinks. Dude's name is Bean. Baylor UCF under 55. That was just a loser. We're off of UCF unders. I thought I'd found something there. I was wrong. Last two weeks, losers. UMass minus one. We're also not fading the Red Wolves anymore. Arkansas State's pretty good now. They put in a freshman quarterback. Kid's good. So, losing their first two games like 107 to three, that. They're a different team now. So, now we know. Navy minus three and a half. Did to support America. Troops let me down. Sad. Georgia State minus one against Troy. That was just the wrong play. Troy is a better team. They proved it. Now we know. Notre Dame Duke under 52. Easy winner. Air Force minus 10 and a half. The military's back. Air Force covered for us easily. They destroyed San Diego State like I thought they would. That's a winner. Pitt minus two and a half. Guys, that's another one I just listened to the wrong people on. Pat Narduzzi might be in some trouble there. Like, that Virginia Tech team's terrible. And Pitt didn't look like it belonged on the same field as them. I got cute. 
I got cute. So there are fireworks in the first half of Iowa State, Oklahoma. And that the second half line was only 26 total points. Went in there. Gave out the under 26 second half. Oklahoma won the second half 10 to nothing. Just stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Bama minus 14 and a half. They won, I believe it was 40 to 17 at Mississippi State. Mississippi State stinks. It's the winner we thought it would be. Now these two, these last two. Washington minus 19 at Arizona with their backup quarterback. It's on Pac-12 Network, guys. What does that mean? It means nobody can watch the game. So I'm just updating on my score app where it gives sort of the play-by-play, and that comes through like five minutes after the real play happens. And I see Washington's about to go in with a few minutes left to cover the spread, and they do an end-around to a wide receiver who fumbles the ball inside the five-yard line in Arizona recovers. Then Fresno State was a 10-30 kick. They're minus 24 and a half. They're the best group of five team in the country, supposedly, against Nevada. They're up 27-0 in the fourth quarter. Intercept the ball at the one-yard line. Next play, they get in the shotgun in the end zone and do a slow-developing handoff and get tackled for a safety. 27-2, still covering with a few minutes left. Long story short, Nevada gets the ball back, scores with 16 seconds left to make the score 27-9 instead of 27-2. I'm still going to do this, guys. Still going to be giving out these plays each week. Tell me if you want, fade me if you want, pick and choose if you want. I don't care. But I'm telling you. I think the process is going to be sound from here on out. If we get the wrong bounces, so be it. I don't think all these wrong bounces are going to keep up through the whole season. They should even out for us long haul, but right now it's not good. Again, been doing this for the last five college football seasons, finished in the black every year. So you do what you want to do. Now, if you took my Ryder Cup pick, you took the team Europe to win by more than three points, like I told you to. Got some juiced up odds on that, offset some of the football losses. So, you know, make fun of me if you want, troll me, but at the end of the day, could have been worse. Because, I mean, for as long as I've been on some of these football picks, my Ryder Cup preview was spot on. Pretty much everything I said came to fruition. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on podcast, give me that five-star review. Thanks for hanging out, guys. See you next time.